hello everyone, it's that special time of the week again. It's time for another installment of Cape TV, your nerdy TV watching show with me, Cape Joel, and my constant co-host, Matt. See that, Matt? You've been upgraded now. Now you're the constant co-host. Well, I would hope after how many episodes of this plus Comic Multiverse? This this is 13. Comic Multiverse will have its 52nd episode. Yeah, that's right, 52 this Monday, we're doing that live over on Matt's channel. So, hey, if you're listening to this, uh, m- maybe on Monday, because depending on when I get my shit together and get this one up to Sal for uploading, maybe it's then. Come by and watch us tonight. We'll be taking questions from the audience. We'll be doing all sorts of shit. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I hope I hope it does work, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all on you, Matt. So, you know, not, 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 <laughs> not for nothing, but if it fails, we all know who to blame. I didn't even try. <laughs> I do bad with pressure. So yes, everyone, it's time to take another look at nerdy TV shows from the week that was. We had some shows ending. We had some shows starting. We had some shows that took us by surprise. And we're going to finish it out this week by finally getting to talk about uh, Iron Fist now. Now that I'm done and complete, I know I dragged ass and I figure we're far enough out from spoiler territory now that we can just talk about it. And Matt, I know you saw it right away, but you've been given more time to ruminate on it and think about it, so I figure we'll have a good conversation to close this out. Yeah, it should be pretty good. (laughs) Yes, yes. So starting things off, I kind of moved stuff around this week because we don't have all our regular shows. I figured let's talk about a show that ended this week, had its finale, and that was Legends of Tomorrow Season 2 Episode 14, Aruba. Yeah, I, I actually didn't know it was ending this week. I thought it was just like another episode, and I I completely spaced when the show started, and it did that whole like previously this season thing that um, Supernatural and all those other CW shows do at the end of the season. But I actually kind of like this episode. Yeah, much like the episode before. I don't know how it happened, but Legends of Tomorrow, which at times has been hair-pullingly infuriating to watch found itself in the last two episodes and kind of brought it together and all of its problems kind of canceled out other problems that it had. But also made new ones. <laughs> yeah, so like this is this is the continuation of what happened last week. And if you remember last week, the heroes had lost. Vixen was killed, the bad guys were victorious, and they were basically, you know, adrift in time with nothing and no choices left. So they do the one thing, Matt, that we've been screaming at them all season about, <laughs> and that is just go back in time and fix your mistake. You have a time machine. There's no reason you shouldn't try it. <laughs> and they do it, and it, it kind of sort of works. Yeah, in a way. Because, again, you know, the whole crux of this season is, oh, well, if the bad guys get the Spear of Destiny, they're going to recreate reality as we know it, but we can't cross our own timelines because that could, you know, cause irreparable damage to the space-time continuum. And I'm like, well, if reality is going to be written anyway, then it's a risk worth taking, isn't it? And they agreed finally. Yeah, finally, they all were on the same page. (laughs) After two goddamn seasons. And we end up with a really interesting thing where now the legends need to try and get the spear away from themselves. Yeah, they end end up going back to the World War I setting from that Tolkien episode. And I like what they did there, how they sort of like replaced each other in the groups. and, And it was sort of pretty fun because they they knew what each other were going to do and whatnot Mm -hmm. 
They also redo the getting the blood of Christ thing. Only now they do all the shit that we said they should have done before. Where it's like, why doesn't Adam just fly down really small and pick it up? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? They do it in this episode. And, and we kind of find out why they didn't do it. <laughs> Ray gets his heart ripped out. Yes. Oh, my God, man. Freaking th- uh, yet again, another thing you and I have been yelling about and complaining about for like two whole seasons. And that is if Reverse Flash is so great, why doesn't he just go Mortal Kombat and rip someone's heart out? Well, he does it. Yeah, he finally learned, he finally figured out, like, oh, I have got all these, like, basically godlike powers. Yeah, I should really make use of them. In fact, I dare say he made more use of his godlike powers in his fight with the Legends here than he did in his fight with Barry. Yeah, I, I, and he was a lot smarter as well. He went back and got all other versions of himself. Which was kind of genius and also kind of a cool effect because it's like, hey, here's just a bunch of footage we have from Reverse Flash. We'll just play in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it was. Yeah, and we'll just blur it a little bit. Just blur it a little bit so you can't tell. And like, that's good show making on a budget is what that is. <laughs> And we even get a thing, too, where it's like, you know, the version of Legends who have lived through this dark House of M, Legion of Doom future, kind of smarten up their other selves and, like, give them the benefits of their character development. Yeah, without them moving anywhere. They just, here, have my character development. That's literally what they do. And, in fact, it becomes a bit of a bittersweet suicide mission because they realize, oh, by crossing our own timeline... We're officially now the time aberrations, and we have to go, and we have to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, too, the little tricks they did to make sure that you could tell them apart. Like, oh, this Rory has a bandage on his arm. This Rory doesn't. This white canary has her hair up in a ponytail. This one doesn't. Yeah, the the little changes were really cool, especially when they did, like, the effects where you see both of them in the same room. I thought they did that pretty well. Uh, Firestorm remembered he could form up and do stuff this episode. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and But he gets stopped by one of Malcolm Merlin's simple arrows. Yeah, I, again, I was watching that with someone over my shoulder, and they're like, bullshit, the nuclear flying man could get taken down by an arrow. And then I was reminded that, like, Firestorm in the comics was killed when, like, a regular sword breached his costume. And I'm like, no, no, that's canon. That's canon. Firestorm actually actually does kind of suck that much so yeah that's that's fair <laughs> apparently he's not good at anything no but he tried to be brave was the important thing he tried to get on in there yeah true a- another nice bit of characterization moving forward uh rip eventually agrees to what we've been saying in this show and says yeah you're right you don't need me anymore this show has grown beyond me i can go now yeah, he he kind of passed the torch off to one of the the canaries, and sort of just left it with her. Rightly so, I say. Good on him for realizing that we don't really need him anymore. Uh, what is it? Amaya and Haywood decide. Oh, you know what? Screw history and the time stream. We're just gonna stay together now because our love is strong. And I'm like, sure, why not? Go with that. <laughs> yeah, just let's see what happens. Just let's fucking go with it, man. Once again, Heatwave and Captain Cold have probably the strongest sum-up of the entire thing, where we get a complete role reversal of what happened in the first season, where, uh, what is it, Cold strands Heatwave? Now it's the other way around. Now Heatwave is stranding Cold, wiping his memory, and kind of giving, you know, you, I'm doing this because you taught me to be a better person, and I hope you'll be a better person too one day. I gotta say, Rory's character development in this show has been absolutely amazing. A million times better than it has any right to be. 
I, it's funny because you go back and watch that first season and he's totally the Drax. It's like, oh, well, we just need a guy yeah. to be really dumb and say funny things and hit stuff to think they actually hammered a three-dimensional character out of him by the end. I know. It, it's pretty great what they did there. It's shocking. And again, I mentioned, too, it's amazing with Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold to have your cake and eat it, too. You kind of got a return to, like, season one Flash villainous Wentworth Miller, but you also kind of got to see glimpses of, oh, you know, good guy Wentworth Miller. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a really good job in these last couple episodes. And also, I think they... Like when Rory stranded him in, I think it was like 2014, I guess that's like their way of saying like he can now go back onto the Flash because he's still a villain and he's back in, I guess, current times now. I hope that's how they fix. I hope they pick up that baton and run with it because they're they're just too good. Honestly, they are just too good. I would say even for Legends, spin these two off into their own goddamn show now. Just call it the Rogues like you've been pitching, Matt. Yeah, yeah. They they need their own thing, especially because it looks like the Legend cast changes every season anyway, so why not? Yeah, well, it might change next season as well. I know they probably definitely add some new characters. I, I will admit I did kind of have a bit of a ugh, groaning moment when, you know, uh, White Canary, she has the spear, and it's like, oh, you're the only one we can trust to make the difference. No, I have too much darkness in my heart, even though she really doesn't. <laughs> she only deals with it when the plot, you know, says it's important for her to deal with it. They once again have to bend over backwards and suck the dick of Arrow just a little bit. Oh, God, character who died in Arrow. Oh, God, 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 God you're so important <laughs> to me. We gotta make all of this about stuff that happened in Arrow. It's like, oh, he's like, are you, are you really my sister? No, I'm the spirit of the spear. I'm like, oh god, spirit of the spear, spirit of the speed force. No one is anybody, huh? <laughs> no, everyone's the spirit of something. Although I will admit, while it's really just a way so you can cheap out on the ending, I respected their cheapness on this. What does White Canary do with the reality rewriting powers of the spear? She just takes the spear's power away, and I'm like, that was an option. You could have just done that. <laughs> Why does no one think that's an option? That's like when you get, like, a genie lamp. No one ever thinks to wish for more wishes. Yeah, it, it's it's so weird what they did with that. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just wish it away now. And then, you know, to keep it all coming full circle again, Thawne finally gets taken out by the Black Racer. Yeah, that that was wasn't that like another one of the wishes that she used on the, on the spear as well. She like wished that into existence, then took its power or something. Yeah, she summoned him there at the moment. But yeah, the thing too about Thawne, he's not gone because Reverse Flash is never gone. Oh no, there will be a Reverse Flash in time somewhere. He just needs to become Reverse Flash again because he's crossed his own timeline so much. There's time remnants. There's time everything of him, especially right now because in the comics he's coming back to be the villain of the button, and he's going to be an injustice too. So yeah, this is not the last we've seen of Eobard Thawne. Mark my words. Yeah, I can't. He'll be in Flash or something. I, I hope he does. I hope he comes back for an arc. I think he would be really good for that show. The problem is, I'd I'd want like like Legends Eobard yeah. in Flash because Le Legends Eobard was much better than Flash Eobard. He got much better over time. Man, Eobard has had such a messed up thing on TV because the longest time we knew the character, it was Tom Cavanaugh, who, as far as I'm concerned, was the superior one all along. Then you got to see this actor as Eobard Thawne for a little, and I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me, and then by the end of this show, I'm like, yeah, you know what, you probably grew the most as a villain. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you had Damien Dark and Merlin who are more or less along for the ride. Yeah, they're just having fun. They really are, and their fun was kind of infectious. They're almost like, hey, spin us off into a Legion show, guys. We can have fun adventures. We can pal around. Do something with us, please. I, I would watch that. I would watch that, too. Hey, CW, I know you got, uh, what is it, Black Lightning coming out and everything, but maybe roll the die on a, what is it, on a Legion of Doom show. You know Barrowman would be all for it. <laughs> and McDonough would probably be for it too if, as long as Marvel doesn't need him to be Dumb Dumb Dugan again in something I, he can be both he can be both, I like that he's both technically he's three things because he's also Deadshot in Assault on Arkham yeah so he not only double dips, he triple dips <laughs> dips that ship three times and I guess we might as well talk about you know as we uh, close up talking about this one uh we got a little teaser about what might be coming in season three. Yeah, like more time fuck ups. Yeah, they <laughs> they finally did it. They finally crossed that line, and now they've broken all of time and space. And now there's Big Ben and dinosaurs all in the heart of L.A. Yeah, so I think that could be pretty interesting. I just hope it's not like the first two seasons of or first three seasons of Flash, where it's like the literally the same plot every season where they've got to fix the time aberrations or got to stop the speed star. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's a, that's a real question, I guess, moving forward. What do you do for legend season three? Cause they've already done pretty much everything I would pitch for a time traveling DC show. You've done Vandal Savage who can exist at all periods in time because he's immortal. You've done the Legion of doom and reverse flash. Who's a time traveling foe who can come at them at any point in time in space. What do you do next? What villain do you pitch? I I I'd want them to to reinvent the show as maybe a maybe like an anthology show like it, mm. it's sort of like the um like the the the, the team up comics where yeah. like each where there's like three episode arcs and each arc has like a different legends team or something. That's that's so good I doubt they'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it, it requires them to cast more people. So Absolutely. no, <laughs> I mean the the show has toyed around at the idea of doing space stuff before. There was like a whole thing where they fought like time pirates who were really just space pirates, and like they dropped reference to like Imperius and all that other stuff. It would mm -hmm. be fun to see maybe them do a season where they fight the Dominators, like maybe the Dominators want to steal time and space or something. I don't know. I mean, clearly, they're an alien race that's been around for a long time, so that would be fun if they wanted to, like, weaponize time or something. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. And I'd like to see them, like, cross over with, like, if they do do the, the Dominators, they could easily cross over with stuff like Supergirl and yes. everything because the Dominators are in Supergirl, so... Absolutely. Uh, I was thinking, too, you know, they could do... I, I know they already kind of blew their wad and did a shitty Boba Fett version of Kronos in Season 1. I would like to see them do the proper, real Kronos. That would be nice. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Be like, hey, you know, you just named yourself after me, but in reality, I've actually always been this guy. Yeah. Or if they want to go really fucking nuts, and I know you would love the shit out of this, Matt. What if they did Time Trapper in Season 3? <laughs> or monarch that'd be pretty cool oh shit what if they did fucking monarch they have the rights to monarch and you sure as hell ain't showing up in any of the movies monarch could be an entire cw universe villain like he could be a, like he could be the next crossover monarch 
That'd be pretty cool. Be like, hey, there's this villain from the future. Oh, that's how you work Booster Gold, and then Booster Gold comes back in time to warn Flash and Arrow and Black Lightning, I'm sure, by that time. Oh, there's this villain in the future named Monarch. He kills all of you, he takes over, and he might be one of your friends, but we don't know. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. We know that Monarch comes from some point in this time in history, and you make it a big mystery, like, oh, is it Cisco? Is it one of these other heroes? We don't know. Yeah, that's too good. That is too good. Well, you know, we say that, but we said the Dominators were too good, too, then they ended up doing them. That, that, That's true. And as you said before, like, Imperiax and everything, like, that'd be really good to do, like, an Our Worlds at War sort of thing. Ooh, again, because you've got the future heroes, you've got the present-day heroes, you've even started planting seeds of Legion. Like, it's not crazy anymore, Matt. They've done Guerrilla City, they've done, you know, Legacy Heroes and all this other stuff. The CW, in a weird way, is better at delivering fans of DC Comics what they want than the movies have been recently. It's true, it's true. Yeah, so... There's Legends of Tomorrow, everyone, and fuck me, if you told me when this season started, you know what, Joel, by the end you're going to be super excited to talk about Legends, I'd be like, you are a dirty liar, get off my porch. <laughs> Which is especially weird, because I live in a condo, so I don't even know how you got on my porch that doesn't exist, but get <laughs> off it. Get off, get off the community's porch. Yeah, really. I'm going to get blamed for this. But yeah, that was Legends, and it was... Overall, a pretty decent conclusion. I think Doom World was a stronger episode, but this was an alright end of things. Yeah. Which, considering that the end of the first Legends was just kind of dumb, this was kind of alright. Yeah, the, and this the, it, it properly set up the next season as well. It sure did. And uh, I guess moving on from there, from a show that ended this week to a show that premiered this week back again, we had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episode 16, aptly entitled, What If? Yeah, the beginning of the last Season 4 uh, story arc, the, the framework story arc, the Agents of Hydra. They've been doing pretty good putting these shows in arcs and having one feed into the other, feed into the other. Like comic books. Yeah, very much so. Ghost Rider fed into the LMDs, and the LMDs fed in here to this, you know, Agents of Hydra. Yeah, and and honestly, it did Flashpoint better than Flash did. <laughs> it totally did a Flashpoint. It, it did a what if, just the title. You know, what if there was a yep. world where Hydra won and all of the heroes who we knew and loved were in different situations. So, you know, Daisy is still with Ward, which means they get a chance to get Ward's actor back in here. Oh, God, I love Brett Dalton so much. He really, he really is this show's secret weapon. And it's funny, they totally turn his character on his head where, you know, in yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when you first saw him, he was a bad guy pretending to be good. And now in this world, he's a bad guy who turns out to be good. Yeah, I, I kind of had the thought they were going to do that because it was kind of like a, a, a role reversal sort of world. Yeah. So I'm really glad they did that as well. And I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, he's still a double agent, but he's a double agent in the other direction. You know, at, at the end of this, I, I'd i love if they, they brought him back and they, they somehow get him out of the framework into like an LMD body. They have LMDs now, so I mean, the sky's the limit, honestly. I'm surprised they didn't build him an LMD body in the last season. That's Well, so I think that's what a lot of people thought. I think that's what a lot of people thought they were going to do. Yeah, there's still time for it. 
So yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of this episode is just getting to know this crazy world where Hydra won and, you know, Hydra controls everyone's thoughts and controls the news. Uh, Coulson is a Hydra-boosting schoolteacher. Yeah, he's going, he, whereas, like, normal Coulson's kind of patriotic with S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything, this guy's like that but with Hydra. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, you know, it's like the framework gave everyone their greatest desire. So, again, very House of M, you know, your greatest dreams come true, but with a horrible Hydra twist attached to it. Yeah, and Coulson's obviously was leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. or Hydra or whatever and being just a teacher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like, too, they bring back that oh-so-classic, uh, what is it, argument that they're even fighting in the comics where it's like, hey, I thought Hydra was descended from Nazis. Uh-uh, uh-uh, that's horrible anti-Hydra propaganda. How could you possibly believe that? <laughs> yeah, better shut up or the men in the van are going to come and get you. Yeah, going to give you the old black bag treatment only for, uh, what is it, for uh, Gemma in this one to just be like, yes, they are Nazis. Never forget that they're Nazis. <laughs> I, I love Jen, Jenna's like what if in this house she like she was being killed and like people think she's actually dead and in a grave but she's in like some mass grave at the at the corner of like the academy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she she's you know a dead woman. She doesn't get a cool new world to live out in a cool new fantasy. She she's been dead this whole time and she has to you know really figure out firsthand the rules for this crazy new world where. And this, is, and this is what I thought was really interesting, Matt, and I'm sure you liked this too. Hydra came to power by scapegoating Inhumans, and now they're continuing to, you know, hunt and abuse Inhumans. Yeah, and it all goes back to that, um, uh, what was it, that event that um, May was involved in. Yes. I can't remember what they call it. Uh, it, it wasn't Karachi, what was it? It's uh, uh... Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but yes, that's the thing. And because of that event, because it went differently, because it turned into a horrible tragedy, May is even more detached and colder than she's ever been before. Yeah, and, and Sky thought she, that she'd be okay because she was a, this framework was originally built for her mm-hmm. to keep her mind occupied, but I guess something went wrong. She's probably the furthest gone because it's becoming, it's like the framework is so good, the longer you're in it, the more realistic it becomes. Yeah, and it's it gets to the point where like Sky is even kind of getting a little bit convinced by it, like it's so real and everything. It's a, it's a nice touch, and I like too, we don't leave the framework this entire episode. Like I thought we'd be flashing back to see what they're doing in the real world, but they don't. They really get you set up in the world of the framework, and I can only assume this is going to be the season now. I hope so. I hope they stick with it, and I, I imagine they probably will as well, and maybe even like go into season five, maybe. Ooh, that would be weird. Be interesting, though, but it would be weird. Uh, another thing... Uh, what is it? Uh, we get to see the doctor. I love he's calling himself the doctor now, and he's the evil number two dude for uh, Hydra Shield. What an interesting turn for a character was that? Yeah, goddamn um, Fitz's character in this is he's he's not like his usual self. He I guess he's kind of like Ward, like how Ward was a Hydra agent. Yeah. He's kind of like that, like like cold and detached. calculating, and yeah. And you know, they're letting him conduct his science, you know, to basically torture humans and leave him completely unfettered. And they even find a sweet character reason for it, where it's like, yeah, he became this evil, unhinged person because he didn't have Gemma in his life. 
Yeah, yeah, and and his father was there as well. Yeah, and his shitbag father, which again is a nice connection to us learning what a shitbag he was in another se- in a last season or, or the last yeah. part of last season. I say last season, but it was just the last part of this season. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the big reveal at the end, we find out who Ada actually is in this fantasy world. Yeah, she's Madame Hydra. That's amazing. And she's acting more human in the world of the simulation. In fact, she's in a relationship with Fitz. I think it's hilarious that in this new Hydra world order, she decided to take the name Madame Hydra. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. It's a nice way to have your cake and eat it, too, and be like, yeah, yeah, we totally had Madame Hydra this season as a villain. And she, and she kind of would as well because she's probably got that kind of god complex because this is her world she created. Yeah. And the world that she wants to keep, you know, against all odds. And that's why, you know, yeah. she's are already trying to hunt down, uh, what is it, uh, Gemma and Sky. So, yeah, all in all, pretty cool start to this half of the season, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'm really invested in what's going to happen next. I know um, we've gotten some, like, cool really character art of what's gonna happen in the season i don't know mace is he's still the patriot and he's fighting against hydra so that looks pretty cool that's another cool thing about this half of the season now because it's all in a simulation you get to see characters and people who you thought were gone and people who you haven't seen in a bit they actually got to have the uh what is it the senator's little brother actually showed up in a role in this yeah he was kind of like the 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 linchpin in this whole Ward's good guy sort of thing because he was like his 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 inside spy sort of thing absolutely uh you know who i would love to see show up in this i'd like to see victoria hand show up again yeah that'd be pretty cool it, it, it's also a shame that's like bill paxton died as oh, well i know because right? and then the cool thing is this episode was dedicated it to him was. as well i was just about to mention that that was nice that this one was dedicated to him yeah, because I imagine, like, if they were going to do that, like, bring back old characters, he would be a character who would come back. Yeah, and he could probably be a good guy in this. He might even have had a robot body in this. Yeah, and, oh, I wonder if we'll get Deathlock. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. We haven't seen him for a bit. It would be interesting to see who, if anyone, he is inside the world of the simulation. Mm. Because the show started with Deathlock. Yeah, yeah, it's going back to its roots. Yeah, it would be cool to see them go back to him. So, yeah, that was What If pretty cool start to this new season or new second half season of shield and as always one of the cool things about this show now is that it reinvents itself every arc so even if you've paid no attention to what came before i think you could probably hop into this and still enjoy it yeah i i I think you could You, you might need to watch a couple of key episodes but i think you probably could just jump straight in yeah arc based viewing that's kind of a cool idea yeah Now, from Crazy Simulation Worlds to another show that featured a Crazy Simulation World, uh, April 1st, we talked a little about this on the previous episode, but it just so happened to be airing while we were recording, but in lieu of a brand new episode of Samurai Jack, Cartoon Network decided instead to play uh, Season 3, Episode 1 of Rick and Morty, The Rick Shank Rickdemption, which blew (laughs) everyone away because no one was expecting them to kind of stealth release the first episode like this. Yeah, pe- people, even when the episode was airing, people were like, ah, it's April Fool's, it's, a, it's an April Fool's joke from Dan Harmon. No, it wasn't. 
a brilliant ploy. In fact, if you listen to Dan Harmon's own podcast, Harmontown, or if you listen to him over on the Sklar Brothers show, Dumb People Town, he actually goes quite into depth saying that this is like the third or fourth time Adult Swim has come to him and said, oh, we want to do something crazy with the release of the show. And he even himself said, I don't know, that seems kind of stupid. I don't know, man. I think people will be angry about that only for people to love. And he's like, oh, I guess they love it then. <laughs> and uh, rightly so it was a really good episode it was like this this episode does so much in like only what was it like 20 minutes 22 minutes or 40 minutes i forgot if it was a little bit longer. 20 minutes in 20 minutes this show ties together so much continuity returns the status quo quicker than i've seen anything else and is also incredibly funny while doing so Oh yeah, God yeah, and this is the type of show where it's hard to keep a continuity, mm-hmm. and this show does does a really good job of like setting it all out as well. Well, it's funny because you know there was always hanging plot threads to the show, you know, like the Graflamite uh, Empire or Federation. They're a Federation, not an Empire. Uh, the Council of Ricks, which is an obvious take on the Council of Reeds from. Uh, what is it, a Fantastic Four, the universe Rick and Morty left behind to get all Cronenberg'd. And, you know, whenever people would ask Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland, you know, when are you ever going to go back to these things? Are you ever going to talk about these? They would always give the same answer in that as well. We could do that. You know, we could be a show with continuity, or we could just keep moving forward and doing funny things. This one goes back to these things, gives great explanations, and then also kind of torpedoes it at the same time to start with a fresh status quo. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of, I guess, rebooted the show a little bit. Yeah, in a weird kind of soft way, because they do all this huge stuff, but the big takeaway from it is, oh, Morty's dad won't be living at home anymore. That's the big one. <laughs> that was his plan all along, that his... and getting the Szechuan sauce. <laughs> Szechuan McNugget sauce. So you know, if you're one of those people who were just online and wondered, you know, what the hell, why are people talking about Mulan sauce? Why are people talking about nugget dipping sauce from 1998? Because that's what Rick really wanted in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so much to the point people have been signing petitions and even McDonald's themselves has been forced to take notice and be like, yeah, okay, we'll work on it. Yeah, yeah. I imagine they probably would bring it back, maybe whenever the show comes back. There's that new live-action Mulan movie coming out in a bit. Maybe they'll do it for that. There you go. I imagine I imagine when McDonald's heard about this, they got like some poor intern. They're like, hey, Kenneth, go downstairs and find the recipe for the Szechuan sauce. And he's digging through a bunch of boxes and he finds like a floppy disk with the recipe on it. He's like, ah, fuck, what plays floppies? He like goes to like that warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> yeah. and he's got to like sort through all the boxes and everything. Has to dig past the McHot Dogs and the McPizza and the McGLT <laughs> and all these other failed things that only came around once. <laughs> and then he finds that Szechuan McNugget sauce. But yeah, I, I mean, the, the episode as it is, you know, we get to pick up with Rick not long after he was sent to jail at the end of season two, which was an amazing finale. Oh, yeah, it was a great finale. Really powerful thing, and a, a Graflamite agent voiced excellently by Nathan Fillion. Yeah, he, he's interrogating him yeah. in his own mind. Yeah, we, he basically goes into Inception in his brain, and he's trying to basically unravel the mystery of Rick, trying to find out what makes him tick, and more importantly, the day that he developed his portal gun technology so he could steal that for the Federation. 
Yeah, and and of course Rick tricks him. Yes, Rick lies through his teeth at him. He paints this admittedly very sad, very sympathetic story where, you know, Rick was this inventor who wanted to do good in the world and, you know, wanted to take care of his family with science, only to have a darker, more evil version of himself from the future, assumedly kill his family to prod him towards doing what he was going to do anyway, creating a time loop. And you're like, oh, wow, that's really tragic and a really cool idea. Rick is his own worst enemy, only for Rick to pull the rug out from Nathan Fillion and the odds you go ha fuck you I've learned nothing it's not my real story <laughs> my story is nothing you will never know and I'm glad they didn't tell me honestly I think one of the most compelling things about Rick is that you don't know his history and that you kind of like try and piece it together yeah yeah it's it's a great it leaves that mystery and lets you sort of work it out for yourself and like imagine what it would be like because the show definitely tells you he wasn't always like this no, no, it goes to great lengths to show you that he he wasn't always this old, drunk... Curmudgeonly bastard, yeah, that he had fun and he had adventures and he stood for things once upon a time. Yeah. We also, you know, kind of get to see Morty deal with the fallout of Rick more or less abandoning them at the end of season two, because he had no idea that Rick actually willfully turned himself in and everything. And he's dealing with a lot of resentment, and they go back to the corpses from that other episode when they traded universes. I, I was so glad when they brought that up. I'm like, hey, they're referencing old episodes. I know that. And in a brilliant bit of writing, the Rick corpse had a portal gun on it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not even consider that for a second. Like, that's really good writing. Yeah. That's good. You know, we get more stuff on the Council of Ricks. They, they all basically get destroyed. Rick goes on a rampage at the end of this episode and takes out all of his enemies in one fail swoop. Oh, I love that. It was like jumping from body to body. <laughs> it, it's like the end of freaking like Godfather 1 when, you know, uh, Vito Corleone starts killing all of his enemies. And, and at the end, his one big enemy, the one he really hates, is Jerry, Morty's dad. It's like, no, he had to go because he crossed me. He tried to turn me into the government. <laughs> and I'm never going to let that stand. So I made him go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives an amazing speech which is totally in line with the speech he gave at the end of the very first episode of Rick and Morty where he's like this is the darkest year of our adventures Morty you and me going out there doing stuff Rick and Morty style and a hundred yeah, years Rick and of, Morty yeah nine seasons Rick and Morty <laughs> that's so good that's so good I, I think the show came back really strong I respect them for tying up a lot of the loose ends for people who like continuity and also kind of having the guts to, as you mentioned, Matt, do a bit of a soft reboot at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. God, it sucks we're going to have to wait for summer for the rest of these to air. Yeah, yeah. That's That's unfortunate. But, you know, from one of, I mean, from probably the funniest animated show on TV right now to the other probably funniest animated show on TV right now, uh, Archer came back for season eight this week. It It did. Yes, and talk about another show that reinvented itself. This episode was called No Good Deed, and this is part of what they're calling Archer Dreamland, because at the end of the previous season, Archer seemingly died. Yeah, so like the last couple of seasons to sort of get away from that super spy sort of stuff, they've been reinventing it kind of every season. We had the um, 80s with the Miami, yeah, the the Miami uh, Vice sort of one. Uh, what was the one after that? Uh, it they was were, uh, Private Detectives in L.A. Yep, 
Yep. And now there are still detectives in L.A., but now Archer is having a weird coma fantasy wherein he's a detective in L.A. in 1940. Yeah, and everyone's, you know, uh, Lana's like a, a, a singer at a bar, and yeah, it's pretty great. His it's mother great. is a mob boss, hilariously yep. called Mother. Yep. <laughs> and I like because they're not technically related in his dream, they can continue to play up the hilariously weird Oedipal stuff between him and his mother <laughs> and get away with it that much more. It's hilarious, too. That this episode actually opens with them bearing the butler, Woodhouse, which, you know, is, you know, kind of interesting because the actor, he had died like a couple seasons ago and they just didn't reference him anymore. So I think it's, you know, kind of cool that they killed him in the show and gave him a send off. Yeah, and, and like kind of like the first episode was kind of based around that with with Archer in his dream finding Woodhouse dead. Yeah, and trying to solve his murder. And of course, as with any great L.A. noir style crime story, he ends up getting in over his head and, you know, getting, you know, uh, linked in with all these mobsters and dirty cops and conspiracies and everyone else. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, part of the fun of this season is just getting to see the characters you like in different roles like Cyril is a dirty cop in this and uh what is it we got uh Pam who's like you know this bull cop who may or may not be a man or a woman we don't know <laughs> that's another it's just how is Harvey Bullock <laughs> yeah she's she is literally Bullock they call her Poovy and I'm like yeah she's Bullock <laughs> she's totally the Bullock of the show Krieger is a bartender slash drug dealer of course he is yep and much like the framework in S.H.I.E.L.D., one of the cool things about this being a dream is they get to bring back characters who have been dead or haven't been seen in forever. So we get Len Drexler as Mother's, you know, rival mobster, and we get Barry again in another form. Uh, I love Barry. <laughs> Barry is great. I, I mean, Barry is horrible, but Barry is great because he's horrible and because horrible shit keeps happening to him. <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite joke in this episode is Archer is doing like that hard bitten detective inner monologue. Oh, the city is dark and hot. You know, da 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 da. Frank Miller, and you're like, who the hell is he talking to? Only to look over and see he picked up a dog off the street and he's been talking to the dog this whole time. <laughs> Where are you going? Well, it better be Venice Beach. <laughs> God, that's good stuff. So yeah, Archer is back, really thinking outside the box this season. Yeah, I I hope they continue it, and I, I'm interested to see what they're going to get away with. I'm wondering if, like, with S.H.I.E.L.D., that whether they're going to stay in this 1940s dream for most of the season or go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be interested in that, too. I mean, how many shows can you say eight seasons in? Wow, they're doing a good job. I can't wait to see what they do next. This show is just as, you know, fresh and daring as it's ever been. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, again, you know, I, I called Rick and Morty and Archer the two funniest animated comedies on TV right now. Used to be, I'd say, South Park, but you see South Park trying new things for the last two seasons, and those new things have not worked out for them. No, no, they haven't. And I also, I hate to say it, and we'll probably talk about this when South Park season 21 or whatever premieres, I think Matt and Trey have just gotten too old right now. I think I think the future belongs to Archer and Rick and Morty as it stands. Yeah, well, they they've got their um, was it their their Book of Mormon so, and they, and their fil filthy rich. So exactly, that's the thing. They're too old. They're too rich. They're parents now. They're vegans now. You know, they're 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 the type of people they would have made fun of when they just started out. 
Yeah, yep. They've kind of become everything they've mocked. Hell, I forget if it's Trey or Matt, but one of them is actually going to be the villain in that new Despicable Me movie. Oh, God, yeah, they would definitely make fun of that. Yeah, like, that's the sort of thing you would mock, guys. And I get it. I know why you're doing it. You've got kids now. I get it. It's why you had PewDiePie on your show. You wanted to, you know, be cool and hip. It's fine. I respect you. You gave me many years of laughs, but let's just leave it at that. And so, yeah, Archer, really good. Rick and Morty, really good. And we're at the, we're almost, well, geez, we were almost put 40 minutes in already, Matt. But I wanted to close off this episode by kind of returning to some old business. As I mentioned before, you know, I think uh, everyone's had a chance to watch it now. Previously, Matt and I talked about episodes one to five of Iron Fist. But now we can finally talk uh, episodes six to 13. Now that I'm finally done and I think everyone else is done now. So, I mean, let's. Let's hop on into this one. I I saw it all just recently, and I gotta say, I felt the show ended on a bit of a wet fart. Really, <laughs> I, I I know what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. After all this build up, like, oh, we're gonna see Kun Lun. Oh, the Magic City. Oh, this and that. Oh, really? Nothing. Really, we got nothing. <laughs> well, that's lame. I mean, yeah, I know they're trying to set up for Defenders and everything, and we'll probably see that get more focus in that show but even still i could not help but feel the iron fist show didn't really focus on a lot of interesting iron fist stuff there's maybe like 30 minutes of good iron fist material in 13 episodes i i kind of feel feel like they they had trouble doing it like because and i think i think it might be because of that whole whitewashing stuff mm-hmm. that was coming out as well when the show was in development. And I think they, they probably had a trouble, trouble. They didn't want to go too deep into that. Right. And maybe, and I guess these shows are mainly about New York and the characters in New York That's and everything. That's issue. I think so much of the good stuff in Iron Fist and so much stuff I would do would have just been in him and Kun Lun but then it wouldn't really have been a Marvel Netflix show because it wouldn't really yeah. have taken place in New York, would it have? Their hands were a bit tied. Also, too, as expensive as these Marvel Netflix shows are, I don't think they had, you know, the budget to create a whole, you know, Asian kung fu monk city with dragons and everything. I think that was out of the budget. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. I mean, yes, we get a couple, you know, references to the dragon. We get to see... uh what is it, a little bit of him getting his ass kicked by monks, where it's like, okay, that's at least one thing I know and can recognize. Uh, One of the biggest things, I think, that let the show down for me, uh, lack of a good villain. This show had, like, three villains. Harold wasn't very good. Again, I made the joke on Twitter, Harold is basically Green Goblin in everything but name. (laughs) That... Yeah, pretty much. He's he's even got like that kind of hair. Yeah, he's got the haircut. He's got a bad relationship with his drug addict son. He's always been like, oh, I got to take control of the company. And oh, Danny, join me on the dark side. And here's the thing about Harold Meacham in the comics. He was not around very long. He was never a very big character. So I'm shocked that they made him such a big character in the show. Well, maybe that's why he suffered, because they didn't really have a lot to do in the comics. They had to make stuff for him. They did. They absolutely had to make stuff up for In the comics, Harold Meachin is like a dude with no legs. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he has legs. <laughs> he, he totally has legs in this. Bakudo was better, but I would say he was still a lesser villain compared to, like, uh, Ubo or whatever from, like, Daredevil Season 2, because he was, like, a cool zombie. 
Yeah, yeah, no, Nobu, yeah. Nobu, yeah, thank you. U- U- I, I was mixing up the oboe instrument and <laughs> Ubo Rachel Gould's little body. <laughs> I was fusing them together. Yeah, you know, oboe, that guy. Uh, Gao was the best. I think we can agree. Gao is one of the few things I genuinely really enjoyed about this show. I wish Gao had been the villain all along. Yeah, I, I can kind of see what they were doing. They probably wanted to sort of distance themselves and sort of build up Danny's own villains rather than a villain that's been in every other show beforehand and will probably be the main villain in Defenders. Or A1, yeah. So I I can see what they were doing, like just giving her enough to sort of give her a bit more character development before Defenders. But yeah, I I do wish that she had been the main villain. Yeah, I definitely feel like I knew her better coming out of this. And also, she kicked the Iron Fizz ass. Yeah, yeah. She totally won in their fight. I, I think we can agree while we're on the subject of fights. Best fight from the show when Danny literally fights the drunken master. That that was a really cool fight. The show needed way more of those. They needed like a crazy one of those. Like he like that's the Iron Fist comic. Just Danny fighting like weirdo uh Shaw Brothers Kung Fu dudes. And we got a little yeah. of it, but we needed more. I, I like those fights that he, those like trials he did with Madame Gao against like the, the was it the daughter of the spider? Yep, and Ru- Russian yeah. knife brothers and Japanese yeah. Guan Dai man. See, that should have been the show. If I wrote Iron Fist, that would have been my take on it. Danny came to New York because he had to take part in a crazy kung fu tournament sponsored by the Hand, and while he was there, he got embroiled in all the stuff with his company and his past and everything. That's how I would have written it. Yeah, or, or he's following someone to New York, and he just happened to come back at a time where his company was doing all this stuff. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, and I'm sure people could make the argument, well, ah, oh, you know, a, a kung fu tournament isn't that like every Bruce Lee movie ever? Isn't that horribly cliche? And I'm like, hey, they're tropes for a reason, right? They're tropes because they work. Yep. Uh, yeah. Colleen, I enjoyed. For the bulk of the show, although I'm a little disappointed that they give her basically the same twist they gave Elektra in Daredevil Season 2, where that is, oh, I maybe I never really loved you, Danny, because I was actually working for the Hand all along. And at least Elektra has a history with the Hand. Colleen doesn't, so that was a weird twist. Yeah, I... Don't really know what they were doing with that. I'm not. I I don't really know a lot about Iron Fist to begin with, but I know a lot of people kind of weren't happy about that. Yeah, I was definitely on team not crazy about that. She's cool though. She gets probably the other two really awesome fights in the show, which are the cage fights. Oh yeah, they were awesome. She's in her white and everything. Yes, wearing what is essentially her costume from the comics. She's good. Her relationship with Claire is also good. I will say Claire Temple continues to be really good in this Rosario Dawson, who is basically the Sam Jackson of the Netflix universe, tying everything together. <laughs> she she is. I know a lot of people were really upset that she was in this show, and I'm like, why? She has a reason to be there. She's learning how to take care of herself because she gets embroiled with all these weirdos. Exactly. She gets probably the most development in this one now after everything that's happened with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and everything else. Now she's learning to fight on her own, which I'm like, hey, you know, by the time this is over, I could see her actually helping the defenders, like, you know, actually get down there and dust it up with them. Well, she kind of has a little bit of a fight in in these in this show as well. In a couple of episodes, she she fights some of the people uh, that come after Danny and Colleen. Yeah, she also decks a guy with a fire extinguisher, which I thought was pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> knocks that dude right the fuck out. 
I mean, I guess another thing about the show, which is an issue, is that Danny's motivations are kept so mysterious for so long. There's huge stretches of the show where I'm like, I don't know what you want. Yeah, yeah. And they kept flashing back to the Meachams, who admittedly, yeah, I always knew what the Meachams wanted, but every time the Meachams showed up, I'm like, none of you are Iron Fist. Please go back to Iron Fist. (laughs) I want to watch Iron Fist in my Iron Fist show, please. Uh, You didn't like Ward Meacham's, like, descent into drug addiction? Oh, he's going for it. I'll I'll give him that. The actor's definitely going for it, although I even raised an eyebrow. So he's he's going through detox. He's got to move two bodies. Then, like, he kills his father and everything all in the night. Or, oh, all with a broken hand, too. And I'm like, man, you can can just do anything, can't you, Ward? Oh, well, what you didn't know is he was actually still on drugs, so he couldn't feel anything. (laughs) I can't feel a damn thing. Drugs for (laughs) life. Uh, The other really cool image that we got in this was we actually get to see some video footage of the World War II Iron Fist, who is an actual character from the comics. Yeah, he has the mask and everything. He didn't have his guns, though. No, he didn't, but, you know, he was kicking enough ass. And also, too, that footage brought up something I didn't even think. I'm like, oh, yeah, Danny has only been using one Iron Fist this whole time, but in the comics he has two. Yeah, I don't think he's learned how to use the other one yet. No, they've always been, they were very vague on the amount of training that he got. That was another thing where I'm like, whoa, 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 was he a good student for these 15 years, or was he slacking for 15 years? (laughs) Oh, can we talk, too, about Davos? I really liked the actor they played da- uh, that played Davos. I think he's going to be really good in the future of these shows. I don't know why they threw him in at the last second here in season one. He's He, he should have been a season two character. Like, that should have been the start of season two, Davos showing up. It, it was kind of the same situation with um, Di- Diamondback in, in Luke Cage, yeah. how he just kind of, like, showed up near the end of it after Cottonmouth died and everything. Kind of like that. Yeah, it's it's very much... In fact, actually, a lot of the choices that Iron Fist makes, you can pretty much set your watch to when Luke Cage did it. You know, they kill Harold in the same way they killed Cottonmouth. He came back, obviously. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they kill the villain around the same time to sort of replace them with another one. They go on a road trip around the same time, be it when Luke Cage goes to Georgia or when, you know, Iron Fist briefly goes back to China. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting that they follow very similar paths. Well, I guess maybe they're trying to sort of hit home the point that these two are actually going to team up or something. Yeah. They're, like, very similar, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, Iron Fist on the whole, after kind of thinking about it, I would say it might be the weakest of the Netflix shows. I didn't outright hate it. There was definitely some things that made me scratch my head and go, why are they doing that? I think it's salvageable for the next season. I just hope they really buckle down in the next season and in Defenders and hit home, you know, who is Danny? What is Danny Rand? What does he want to accomplish? And, you know, basically, how does he relate to all these other characters? The the best scenes with Danny, ironically were the very few but very great ones where he's hanging out with Hogarth. Yeah, yeah, I, I like those on the G-Money. G-Money. That's so Danny ran from the comics because Hogarth in the comics was like was like his little follower ran, was like, you know, the exasperated caretaker, almost guardian of Danny, which he is pretty much in this show too. He was always the guy because he was a guy in the comics, always being like, oh, you know, Danny, why do you do this to me? Oh, God, Danny, you're going to give me a heart attack. 
Why, why with your kung fu and your magic ninjas and everything else? I'm just a lawyer. I'm not built for this. <laughs> uh, that was good. We also got, you know, some more, uh, like, hints dropped there. They mentioned Jessica Jones in here, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. And I, I like that they, 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 they're all sort of inhabit the same sort of area of New York. Yeah. And, and you get, like, the, those little teasers. I'm glad they don't, like, outright at least, like, show the other characters and everything. I know a lot of people really want that, mm. but I'm glad they don't do that. Yeah. I, I mean, meeting Luke Cage could only have helped this show in my mind, but, hey, that's just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me. Well, that's another funny thing, too. Like, I kept asking myself, you know, oh, are we going to see a Luke cameo? Are we going to see a Luke cameo? No, no, we can't see a Luke cameo because he went to jail at the end of his season. Yeah, I yeah, I guess. And moving forward, I'm like, you know, well, where is Danny going to be now? Because Danny went to, uh, what is it, to Tibet or wherever he is, only to find out that Kunlun wasn't there. I'll be very interested to see where they start Defenders when they start Defenders. Well, I imagine he'll return home because I think he went back with the intention of going back to Kunlun, like getting there before it disappears for that. Because it only appears every, I think, 15 years or yeah, something. Yeah. And I think he I think he kind of missed the train <laughs> and, and, and got there a little bit too late. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was Iron Fist. Full of problems, but I would still say it has some potential in there. There's definitely moments where it did feel like the Iron Fist comic. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. I know it's getting a lot of shit for a lot of really petty reasons. It is. It is. It's definitely getting shit for things that were out of its control, but I would say it also has some issues on its own worth addressing. But, I mean, you know. Yeah. It, it also ended up being the most binged show of the year, though, already on Netflix. Yeah, so it's probably definitely going to be getting a season two. So it's probably definitely going to be getting a season two, which, you know, hey, room for improvement. I hope you improve in this room. And, I mean, really, only hanging out with the Defenders, I think, can only make Danny stronger moving into the future. Yeah, yeah, his his interactions with these characters will probably make him grow a little bit more. You can only hope so. I mean, it's funny. We saw that little, like, viral footage there of the Defenders all standing in the elevator and it made me laugh. Daredevil was wearing a shirt tied around his head. I'm like, oh, that looks like Iron Fist costume. Maybe that's where he gets the idea. <laughs> I, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Or, like, he'll see he'll see Matt in the costume and be like, hey, I kind of need one of them now. He just throws a shirt to him. Here, take this. <laughs> Fine, I will. I will put this shirt on. That'll show you. And then he does. And then they're a team. And then they all eat popcorn. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's basically it for this week. Any uh, any parting thoughts, Matt? Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not really. It was a pretty cool week of TV. It sure was, and uh, I know I know we promised everyone that we'd talk about Legion this week. Matt and I were both slacking on our Legion homework. We promise we'll finish it because next week will probably be even lighter. Because yeah, yeah, because everything be no, finishes. <laughs> everything finishes. There'll be no more, you know. Uh, there'll be no more legends. There'll be no more anything else. So we'll we'll talk about New Shield. We'll talk about Archer, and then we'll finally give our complete thoughts on Legion once we have a chance to catch up on all of it. And then, then after that, I guess we'll have to decide if we have enough material to keep the show going until the other stuff comes back. Yeah, we'll have to see what's on. We will. I know you were talking about Doctor Who. You were also talking about some anime stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the new anime dub season starts up very soon, and Doctor Who, I think, starts next week, I think. Mm, I'm sure people would love that. I'm sure we have some Whovians in the comments section who would love to hear that. 
Yeah, definitely. So maybe maybe like Supergirl, I'll let you drive that one. Yep. And uh, on that note, everyone, I think we can just about bring this episode of Cave TV to a close. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And in the comments section down below, be sure to let us know what was your favorite thing on television this week and what are you hoping to hear us talk about next week. Until next time, yeah. everyone. Bye. Pardon? No, no, you, you can keep saying more. It seems like you had another thing to say on top of that. No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. No, no, I, I thought you had something to say. No. Then on that note, everyone... We will, <laughs> Bye. We, we will bring this show to a close. Bye-bye. Uh.